I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this is For the Talkers. Hello. Happy Thursday, my talkers. Can I call y'all that? Is that okay? Excellent. (laughs) Okay. Today is the long-awaited episode with Grace. I know everyone is dying to hear from her, so you're welcome. First, I'm going to give you a little intro to probably the most amazing person in the whole entire world, universe, solar system ever. (laughs) Okay, but for real, Grace is the coolest. She's athletic. We just went and played pickleball, and she whoops me every time. She is also a softball queen. She can hit home runs, literally, still. She graduated four years ago, and she can still hit home runs every single time we go hit. She's a baller. She does like basketball also. She's obsessed with shoes. I'm not really a shoe girly, but she likes these NMDs. So if you're a shoe person, you probably know what that is. She really likes Dr. Pepper and Red Bull because we're on that caffeine train. She grew up in Salem. And when we first met, she was like, oh, like I'm from a small town. And she was just talking about Salem. She was like, yeah, my graduating class is like 400. I was like, huh? Then don't even bother saying that is a small town. Ever heard of Monroe, Utah? Didn't think so. Anyways, yeah, so she grew up in Salem. And then she's went to school at UVU and she's been there for the last four years and she's graduating I think let's see I think this will this episode will release the day after her graduation so if you're listening tell her congratulations she's killed it she worked so hard but we'll talk more about that in a minute she's the oldest of four and y'all already know that the oldest girl is the coolest so her younger brother Tanner is married to Maddie And then her younger sisters are Zoe and Darby. And I've done an episode with Zoe, so y'all should know her. Queen. And then Darby is 12. Oh, she just had a birthday, so she's 13. And she's a cutesy sweetie. And she's a horse girl. She loves her horses. She just had a competition. I think she did really well. Grace would do anything for those little girls. She's so good to them. Such a good big sister. Grace loves the sunsets and Lainey and Love. She is a big, like, music person. All the time I would play songs and she'd be like, oh, is this so-and-so? I'm like, I don't know. And it's my music. I don't even know the artist. She knows who it is. So she's very musically, I don't know. She just knows. She knows. She knows who artists are and um, names of songs. She's really good at that. <laughs> she likes One Tree Hill, Ross, TJ Maxx, Dutch Bros., Oh, the new cloud sandals. She's loving those. She really likes the color green. She really hates the dentist. And in good old Salem, Utah, she grew up on a farm. But now she's city girl. I think that pretty much sums up everything. Are y'all on TikTok right now? I, I'm unfortunately an Instagram reels girly because I'm like, ooh, I'm going to delete TikTok. No, I can't stay away. Anyways... But have y'all seen the the viral video that's of the little kids like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says a doctor. And then the interview person's like, oh, how much do you want to make? And he goes, mm, I want to make people feel better. 
oh break my heart and that's grace grace is a miss social worker queen she's a therapist and she mainly helps kids and that is so sweetie cutesy and um i think that's just a good way to describe her so today we're gonna chat about all about grad school and just kind of school in general talk about some of her funny moments and talk about what she's gonna do afterwards And then she's also going to give us a few tips and tricks as a therapist to help us all be our best selves. So enjoy this interview and please tell her congratulations on graduating grad school. Hello, Grace. Hello. (laughs) Are you are you comfy? Yes. Excellent. Well, we're just going to dive right in. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. We have to do our happy, funny, sads, okay? Okay. Do you want me to go first or you go first? Either way. (sighs) Y'all, I gotta decide everything around here. Okay, I'll go first. Okay, my happy for the week is Grace's capstone event. It was at UVU and I got to spend the whole day with her and that was fun and it was fun to see everyone's presentations and everyone did so good and it was just like a good feeling because like all these people have worked so hard and this is like the end so it was fun it was really a fun day and I got to be in my little main character era I got my Starbucks and I read my book for a little while and then I went and walked around like I'm just feeling the main character energy but it was Grace's day and she did amazing and she passed booyah (laughs) Okay, and then my sad is when we came home from Arizona, y'all, stepping off that plane, ick, icky vibes, 40 degrees, no thank you, disgusting, and I was in shorts and t-shirt and sandals, so didn't help, and then, okay, I just have to take a moment to explain this because it's so funny, so after Grace's capstone event, we went to Texas Roadhouse, naturally, to celebrate, And we took Zoe with us because she was home. And we're just enjoying our meal. And the people, like, we were in a booth. And the people in the booth next to us was, like, a family. And there was this really little boy. And they were playing I Spy, which was just, like, really cute. And then he goes, I Spy something ugly. (gasps) Me and Zoe both, like, gasp. And I was just like, what? And then... You know how they always be doing the birthday shout-outs and they're just so loud for no reason? Well, they get done. And so it's, like, kind of silent because, like, everyone was quiet for that. And they hadn't started talking again yet. And he just says so loud, bombastic side-eye, like, so loud. (laughs) And we just bust out laughing because it was very, very funny. And then they had to explain to their mom, like, what bombastic side I mean. So it was just, it was just an overall funny dinner. And we had a good, we had a good little giggle. Those are mine. Go go ahead, Grace. Okay, so <laughs> for my happy, I finished up my internship this week, which means I finished up my last sessions with my clients and my 11-year-old girl client, she's so adorable, so cute. I asked her to, like, write things down that she learned throughout our sessions together. And she made this adorable, like, fold-type paper thing. It was super cute. And on the front, it said, skills I learned. And then when she flipped it open, she wrote, my strengths and values. A little backstory. I work in a center where 
We work with victims of sexual abuse. So I worked on like psychoeducation and prevention and everything. So she wrote, the things she learned were her strengths and values, learned about bodies, learned about what's okay and what's not okay, learned positive coping skills, who's important to her, emotion identification, communication, boundaries, how I feel, and people she trusts. So it was just really cute, really happy to see what she got from our sessions. And then for my sad, if you've been previously listening to the podcast, you know I've been going to the dentist and I had to go to the dentist again because I've been in some pretty serious pain and I ended up getting another root canal and two crowns. So that kind of sucked and I get really worked up at the dentist, but we survived and we made it through. And then... (laughs) for my funny um jane i'm going to be sending you the podcast so that you can listen to this because my funny is all about you so like we've talked about we've had the capstone event right well jane is in my program with me at school and (laughs) she's so funny um she was saying so you have to present your capstone project in front of some judges and then they decide whether or not you like were competent enough and whether or not you get to graduate and she was talking to me and my cohort friends, and Jane goes, well, I'm a married woman, but I understand. If you got to show some cleavage or you got to do whatever you got to do to pass, I'm, I understand. <laughs> so that was cracking me up. And then she just made some hilarious comments the whole time. Like, she was getting really nervous to have to present in front of her judges, and she, like, looked me dead in the face, and she goes, do you think if I faked a seizure right now that they would let me pass? <laughs> So that was my funny, just Jane cracking me up the whole time that we were at Capstone. Yeah, literally everything that she said, I was like, wait, that was hilarious. That was so funny. Okay, Grace, give me a rundown of your whole program, your whole college experience. Like, you graduated high school, then what happened, education-wise? So when I was in high school, I was really nervous because I had no idea what I wanted to study, what I wanted to do. I just didn't know. So I took a career exploration class. Wait, can I give a side note? Okay, this is funny because if any of y'all know me, you'd be like, wait, I thought Elizabeth was going to be a nurse because I told you all that. I said, I'm going to nursing school. I said that every single day of my whole high school career and guess who's very not in nursing school me not me I don't want to do it so if you're listening you're like I don't know what I want to do well Grace didn't know what she wanted to do now she got a master's and I got nothing so if you don't know what you want to do I promise it will work out so anyways I got to college I had no idea wanted no idea what I wanted to do I took a career exploration class I was interested in social work so I scheduled a meeting with the bachelors of social work advisor I met with her in her office and she like pulled up you know, the classes I'd taken and stuff. And she like looked me in the eye and she's like, have you met with me before? I was like, no, why? And she's like, you've taken all the prerequisites to get into the bachelor's social work program. I was like, what? Like I I didn't do any of it intentionally. So then she was like, well, do you want to apply for the program? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like might as well. Like, let's just see what happens. And keep in mind, this was a Wednesday. (laughs) And uh, she goes, okay, sounds good. The application's due on Friday. Pardon? (laughs) That's not enough time. So anyways, I was like, okay, two days. So I asked her like what I had to do for the application and it was kind of a lot. I had to like write a paper about why I wanted to do social work. I had to get some letters of recommendation. I had to get my transcript sent in. Oh, and I had to have like a resume and like all this stuff. And I'm freshly graduated from high school. I didn't have any of this. So 
Anyways, I wrote my paper. I went to the Career Development Center at UVU. I had them help me with the resume. I had them help me with my paper, everything. And then the letters of recommendation actually had to be by UVU professors. And I didn't know any UVU professors because it was like a month into my first semester. So I had my career like development professor do one, but she'd recently just been diagnosed with like an illness that prevented her from coming on campus. But the letters of recommendation had to be sealed and signed by the person who did it. So I drove to her house in Draper, got the letter, had her seal it and sign it. And then my other letter, I had Tasker's dad do. So Tasker's one of my good friends from high school. He was a professor. He wrote me a good letter. He was in Chicago the day like before it was due. So he came home. I met up with him, had him sign it and seal it. And then I just turned it in like the day of like only an hour before the application was due and then I had like a two-month waiting period and I found out I got in I started in January and this was January of 2020 so I had January February a little bit of March and then COVID hit so I went all online COVID yeah so I finished out all my classes online I did like zoom and everything like that and then the following semesters were just strictly online. Like, I didn't even step foot on campus. I just did everything online. And then my last semester of my undergrad program, it was partially in person with masks and social distancing and everything like that. That was the fall semester of 2021. So then after I finished out fall semester, my last semester of undergrad, I filled out applications to apply for master's programs, which was master's of social work. And since I did my undergrad in social work, that means I skipped a year for my grad. So I was in the advanced standing program. So I submitted my applications. I found out I got in a little later and I started my grad program May of 2022. So I had about five months off in between grad and undergrad. And it was full guns, like ready to go summer, fall, spring semester. Well, because the advanced standing meant that you did an entire year. Like, I, I need everyone to really take this in. Entire year of classes in one semester. Yes? Yeah, and it was like a little mix because like undergrad classes, since I did social work, were incorporated throughout. But yeah, the, the first years of the program, we did the first year of the program in that first semester. So it was a mixture of undergrad and that first year into that semester. It's... It's a little confusing, you but it was... You just had so much homework, and it was, like, so much to do. Yeah, it was very accelerated, very stressful, but that's kind of the story of how I got in and how things went from there. And, yeah, so working while... So you have to work while you're doing undergrad, right? Because you have to have an internship. Yeah, you have to have an undergraduate internship, and I did my undergrad internship at Summit Academy Schools in Bluffdale and Draper. And then I did my graduate internship at the Children's Justice Center in Provo. And what is the Children's Justice Center? Um, So like I said earlier when I talked about my happy, I work at a center. Well, I used to. (laughs) You're done. That's bittersweet, but it's awesome. Yeah. So the center, we worked uh, directly with DCFS and law enforcement, and we take sexual abuse cases. So children that have been sexually abused, they come through the center, they get forensic interviews done, which means they interview the child about what happened to them, 
they disclose the abuse, and then after they do the forensic interview, then they do they go through the treatment process. So we offer groups, we offer individual treatment, and we are just short-term. So we see clients anywhere from 8 to 12 sessions, and then the group curriculum is only 12 weeks long. And very briefly, what did you do? What were your job responsibilities? I helped with groups, so I'd set groups up. I'd run some groups. I do the intake process before the group, so getting families ready for groups, so filling out all the paperwork, everything like that. Um, and then I also did the individual therapy side of things, which is where I had my individual clients. So I would walk through the intake process with them and their families. Since they're all children, I would work with their parents as well. So I'd work with parents and children to fill out paperwork. And then I practiced TFCBT, which is trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's evidence-based, which means there's like a workbook that you can work through. So I kind of pulled from the workbook and then I used other modalities like DBT and ACT and other things like that to just use a client-centered approach when I work with my kiddos. Cute. Do you want to tell me more about Summit or that's in the past? Um, At Summit, I worked with like behavioral challenge kids. So... I worked at a school, it was a public charter school, so we were funded based on like how many IEP minutes we provided. I don't totally know all the details, but basically we just had a lot of kids who couldn't function in the normal classroom without lots of support. And so some of them were aggressive, some of them were just annoying, some of them just couldn't focus, some of them, they couldn't stay organized, like it was just kind of a wide variety of things. I loved a lot of my students there. Some of my students were very difficult, But I did run groups, which were social-emotional learning groups. So I taught kids a lot of social skills, how to have conversations, how to set boundaries, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. The groups were honestly, like, my favorite part of the job. I created, like, a little group curriculum manual thing that was really important to me, and I really liked it a lot. And then just the support in the classroom, it, like, was nice knowing that these kids were getting the help they needed. And then I would also respond to crisis calls. So if a teacher just couldn't handle, you know how a kid was acting in the classroom, we would come in and we would intervene. Well, sometimes they're literally ripping every single book off a bookshelf and screaming at everyone in the class, and they're all, like, 10 years old, right? Yeah, I've, I've got some stories. One of my students was, like, in first grade, so he was literally, like, six years old, and he would rip apart his classroom every single day, and he would call his teacher, like, every cuss word in the book. Is this super bees <laughs> yeah super beaches to be clean <laughs> he would walk around and he'd go what's up super beach or be like, super beaches like 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 in mario it was funny yeah and then another thing that he would do he'd go he'd like knock on a table or something <laughs> so he'd go who's who who's that who's there oh yeah these nuts <laughs> So that was that was one of one of his things. And then another cute thing that one of my students did was we had like social work appreciation week or something or school counselor appreciation week or something. And this little kiddo, he drew a heart and then he colored the heart all the way full. And then he wrote like 100 percent or something on the paper. And he was like, I I colored this all the way in and I wrote 100 percent because I love our school counselors with 100% of my heart. I think you're being modest. I'm pretty sure it said, I love Miss Grace 100%. <laughs> so anyways, some, <laughs> of the kiddos, <laughs> some of the kiddos were like kind of silly, kind of aggressive, uh, kind of annoying, and some were kind of adorable. Yeah. And it just, they were all so different. Yes. But yeah, that was Summit. And then I already talked about CJC. Yeah. And so now you're done with those and you graduate in like a week. Okay, so what's next? 
What's next? I've been interviewing the past couple weeks trying to figure out what I want to do because, um, like I said, I have done individual therapy, but I don't think that's what I want to do long term because it's kind of hard, like active listening and coming up with activities and processing trauma and everything like that is just kind of a lot. And so I don't necessarily think that's something not it's not on the cards for me right now. So I've been interviewing in places that are kind of crisis intervention and case management heavy rather than like private practice heavy. So so if you're dumb like me and you don't know what that means, what does that mean? It just means case I case management. I just crisis heavy. What's that? <laughs> I don't want to be a therapist. Yeah, I want to, you know, intervene, uh, refer out to community resources. So so someone comes into the hospital. And then they're really worked up, so they talk to you. Yeah, like de-escalation. Perfect. I don't want to sit down, have five clients a day, that I work through, like, some serious trauma. Like, I'm not ready for that yet. I think I will Amazing. burn out. So. And you really like working with kids, yeah? Yes. <laughs> and so I interviewed with Primary Children's Hospital. They're only, like, 20 minutes away from our apartment. And I don't actually have to get, like, I don't have to get on the freeway to get there, which would be so nice. I interviewed with two positions that I'm interested in. One was the emergency department. I would be PRN, which means I would just pick my own schedule and come in as needed. So I'd pick up open shifts. And then the other one was for the primary children's mobile crisis response team. So there's a number that you can call. It's 988. When like a family is having a escalation issue with a teen or a child, they can call that number and we come and intervene. So I'm more interested in positions like that. But I don't want to lose my clinical skills, and I do still want to see clients, just not a lot. So I've also been interviewing with some private practices, and I've just been really strict on capping of, like, I only want to see five private practice clients a week. For sure. Okay. Cool. So so we know what you did, how you got there, what's going to happen next. So what advice would you give, or maybe just, like... What would you say to people who are going into college or are already in college and are looking into master's programs or people who are specifically looking into social work? Like just kind of everyone. Do you have any like broad advice that you would give or anything like that? I would say just like know your interests and find an internship. Most programs require them, but know your interests when it comes to deciding on your internship like don't get stuck in something that you don't like and that you don't enjoy because it's just going to be miserable so who do you go to when you're you're not sure like you're like trying to find those things because I would imagine there's people to help but I don't I, I wouldn't have known who to go to to find an internship like I wouldn't know I mean for my program we had a field director so I spoke with the field director um, I also just googled the agency oh. and just what do they do? Yeah. Schedule an interview with whoever your supervisor would be, whoever you'd be working under. And like one good interview question to ask is just, okay, tell me what a day looks like at this agency. So you could do that anywhere because, you know, they could line, you know, align what the day is going to look like. And if that's not what you want to do, don't do that internship because you, I don't mean. Don't get stuck. Yeah. For my program, I had to do 600 hours. And that would just totally suck to do 600 hours of an internship that you don't like. Absolutely. Another piece of advice. Oh. I noticed this as I was doing my capstone project with everyone in my program. Like work smarter, not harder. So I took (laughs) – 
this sounds bad, but like I took a slightly easier route when it came to my capstone project because like you're allowed to use pre-made screeners and you're allowed to, you know, do things like that. And so that's the route I took. I took the route of like, I want to graduate. I want to get things done. I don't want to go over the top. And you still did an amazing project and you passed and you like you did everything that you had to. So I agree with what you're saying is like there if there are set requirements, there is no reason to go 50% above those. Just meet the requirements. Is that kind of... That's absolutely what I'm saying because like my project that was more on the easier side gets me the exact same degree as someone who did a project that was not on the easier side. And so just look at your strengths, work smarter, not harder and... Yeah, meet the requirements, but don't go in above and beyond because unfortunately there's not a lot of reward for going above and beyond. Like on an assignment, on like a, like, I don't think you're saying this for life advice. You're not saying Mm. don't be like a overachiever, but just, yeah, when, when it comes to assignments that have clear requirements and it comes to things that are very set in stone. Yeah, there's no, there's no reason. Excellent advice. Everyone write that down. Anything else you would like to? I mean, you all have the same interests when you're in the same program, but my program would have sucked a lot more had I not made the friends that I made. And, I mean, like, <laughs> it was so fun and so cute. We'd get coffee every Friday morning because we had classes on Fridays. We'd hang out outside of school. like, And then, like, you have some group chats that you can talk to and stuff. Like, just establish those friendships. Establish those relationships because, like, if you're feeling down or you're feeling stressed or you don't know how to do an assignment, like, if you don't have anyone to ask, that's going to suck. So make friends and... Just sit by people in class. Like, I don't know. That's that's another piece of Put advice. Put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, okay, so I do know these friends. <laughs> I do know who you're talking about. But tell me about them. Tell me some funny memories that you had in the program. Just, just get goofy. Yeah. <laughs> Make me laugh. Wait, yeah. Grace had to think up some stories. And she hasn't told me them yet. So... I'm going to say I'm very far away, so when I laugh, it doesn't just blow up the microphone. But anyways, I don't know what these stories are, so I'm excited to hear what uh, what funny things have occurred. Well, both of these stories are actually not with my cohort friend group. Um, I do have some really awesome memories with my cohort friends, like the coffee, and like we had a fun Galentine's party, and a fun St. Patrick's Day party, and... Um, just like lots of memories and obviously funny things that have happened at school, but some uh, some specific stories. I'm not going to drop any names. I might with the second one, but the first one. So we have this group chat with our entire cohort. and um, Oh, no. Group chats are always just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And so someone asked like for some advice like, oh, I have a client who says that they fell down the stairs and now they have a bruise. I'm wondering, like, is this legit or should I be concerned that it's, like, a domestic violence situation? And, you know, everybody kind of said their thoughts and opinions in the chat. And then this girl in my program who is in a wheelchair said, oh, I wouldn't know. Like, I haven't been on the stairs in 20-plus years, so maybe it would be better to ask someone else or something like that. Well, this other (laughs) girl who clearly did not know she was in a wheelchair, which, keep in mind, her her profile picture on the group chat is her in a wheelchair so homegirl just didn't read the room didn't pick up on the social cues nothing she goes lol why have you not been on the stairs in 20 plus years do you just always take the elevator (laughs) ha 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 ha." 
and the whole group chat I would, like i would leave the group chat i would exit the room that's so embarrassing so no one said anything and then like a day later the girl in the wheelchair finally responded and was like i actually haven't been on stairs in 20 plus years because i was in a life-altering accident and i'm now in a wheelchair oh and then the I other would remove myself from the program <laughs> i'd be like i can no longer contain that's so embarrassing and then the other homegirl who made that very insensitive comment was just like i'm so sorry like yeah trying to apologize everyone's probably just like dying oh no yeah so and like the secondhand embarrassment was just like like and luckily the girl in the wheelchair was like very kind and very like you know not everybody knows but i think just it just goes to show you never know and just be sensitive and read the room i have been saying that probably five times a day for the last like month because it is amazing me the amount of people who can't just like take two seconds to like assess the situation and yeah read the room who's there who are you talking to like just i literally want to teach a college course called read the room because (laughs) because y'all how can people just not be aware of everyone that is around them read the room (laughs) So anyways, this next story, I'm going to shout out Dana because (laughs) she's going to know exactly what story I'm about to tell right now. So I met her and she was very, very funny. So I'll just put that out there. We love Dana and I'm Dana. I'm going to same thing about Jane. I'm going to text you guys this link and I want you to listen. So we had a class in the summer. It's called mental health diagnosis. And that class was hard. We, uh, We had to perform a biopsychosocial assignment every single week on a different mental health disorder. So anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, um, bipolar, like everything, right? The week that we were doing it was on narcissistic personality disorder. And um, our teacher was like very passionate, very just like cared about the subject. But sometimes it was like hard to keep up because he just was like, he would move so quickly with the class and whatever. It was just confusing. And so me, Dana, and then another kid in my class were all in a group together. And <laughs> our professor was going over the requirements for the assignment. And, I mean, just all of us were just so confused. Like, we just were like, what? Like, I don't know what any of this means. So our classmate leans over to me and Dana. <laughs> and he goes, are you guys getting any of this? And I kind of just, like, shrugged my shoulders and then Dana looks us dead in the face. Oh, no. <laughs> and she goes... <laughs> oh, no. She goes, don't worry. We can just fill in each other's holes later. <laughs> meaning, like... <laughs> no! Meaning, like, we can just fill in the gaps of, like, what we're not understanding. <laughs> but Why as soon... Why use the H word? <laughs> but as soon as she said it, she realized... <laughs> And I could not stop laughing. And our professor was like, oh, what's so funny? Like, do you want to oh, share? No. And we were like, no. But we couldn't stop. And, like, I was literally, like, biting my tongue and, like, drinking water to try to <laughs> – nothing was working. And every time that I would stop laughing, I would look at Dana and, boom, I would start <laughs> laughing again. Oh, no. And that – that was like one of the first couple weeks That's of the just semester. A classic old foot and mouth situation. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I couldn't think of a lot of other funny things, but those um, those ones came to mind. Well, if if any of y'all know Mirren, probably the funniest person in the whole world. The Galentine's thing that Grace mentioned, 
we did PowerPoint night because you know how you see TikToks and you, okay, Grace probably does not relate, but I literally will have FOMO of a TikTok. I'm like, they're having so much fun. I want to have fun like that. And so you'd see, you would see PowerPoint nights all the time, you know? And I just said, we got to do it. So we did it for Galentine. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I just kind of like did a little PowerPoint. I was like, oh, this is funny. No, Mirren, I think Hannah went like ballistic like they had sound effects every time they were like tapping like to the next slide I, I just don't even have words it was the funniest thing so if you're having a powerpoint night invite them because I was rolling on the floor I was laughing so hard do you remember what Mirren's was it was like old us men, old men yeah. us as old men and like she didn't just like show a picture like she had 12 t talking points like she had 12 like just points to make about it and it was just so funny and then hannah's was like couples or something our exes yeah yep she did our exes and roasted them and it was <laughs> it was really really funny so anyways that's 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 funny moments i have of your friends okay well thank you for all of your insight on college and graduate school and just for talking i think you're the funniest person in the world <laughs> anyways um also i just want to plug grace she is so amazing with like resumes essays writing like professional emails all that kind of stuff so if you need any help with that hit her up she's she's so good um, and she likes, she genuinely likes helping people do that. So she was helping a friend with a resume just the other night. Um, now, therapist, Miss Grace, um, we're going to jump into some therapy advice. You know, things like healing our inner child, mindfulness, etc. Um, I know it's not like you can just heal everyone, but I think there's good things that like you're always telling me. So talk to me about those um, and any just like advice you have for people. So I think it is a little hard because it's not a one size fits all type thing no. with skills. No. Um, but when it comes to healing your inner child, I do think that is very important because even if you did have a phenomenal childhood with phenomenal parents, there are going to be parts of it that, you know, that were difficult or like even just going to school like that's hard and no matter what kind of support system you have that's hard and I think too like you always have a narrative that you're telling yourself so no matter how amazing you have it or how bad you have it like you're always going to be hard on yourself do you agree like I was kind of thinking about that today and I think that's why we all have to do a little bit of healing and it's just like a self journey of like not being mean to ourselves anymore you know yeah and so the analogy i always like to use is like if you know you're just doing your thing and a little kid like came up to you and like grabbed your arm and was like i really need help like can you please help me of course you would drop everything and you'd go help that kiddo like that's what you're gonna do if they can't find their mom or you know whatever it may be you're gonna drop everything and go help them and it's literally the same idea with ourselves and our inner child I'm so cry. if your inner child was pulling you on the arm and saying please help me I need help I'm hurting 
you would never push a kid away in real life. So why are you pushing away your inner child? Oh. And so I think that's a good analogy for everyone to remember because it's a lot easier to like be hard on yourself or, you know, be not self-compassionate, you know, things like that. But it really is true. Listen to your inner child. Listen to things that may be triggering, whatever it may be, and take that time to heal and listen to yourself and be compassionate. Yes, ma'am. And then just as far as getting your needs met, I think people kind of forget that like escalated behavior or anger or hurt all comes from a need not being met, big or small. Define that more. Getting your needs met. Like, Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, tell me more about what that means. Like in relationships, like you have to be with a partner who's going to be willing to recognize your needs. So, So like what are some of your needs? My needs is like, I mean, I need quality time. I need to, I don't know, just things like that. And so having a partner that recognizes your needs as important and needs that need to be met. Yeah, like one of my needs is physical touch. Like if we're walking and you're not holding my hand, I think you hate me. If we're saying goodbye and you don't give me a hug, I'm going to cry. You know, like those, that, that's one of my needs. Okay, so there's lots of needs like that. Yeah, and if you're sacrificing needs constantly throughout a relationship, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be resentment, there's going to be anger, even if you don't know it. And so I think a lot of arguments kind of escalate because your needs aren't met and you just don't know it. Well, and I like that one time you came home and you you told me, I think it was um, a lady in one of your groups was telling you about how she didn't realize that she had a need, right? So her husband would come home and say this stuff to her and it would like make her so mad and she didn't know why. And then, you know, being able to take a step back and say, okay, like that's why I'm getting mad. So like also realizing your own needs so that you can communicate those because yeah, you do need to communicate those, but you need to know them first. And so I think realizing like taking time to get to know yourself, get to know what you want, get to know what you need so that you can tell people in your life, hey, like, this is something that's really important to me, or whatever. Yeah, and that was the other thing I had written down was communication. <laughs> yeah. Um, I statements. I'm a big believer in I statements. I think they're so huge because you statements are very hurtful. So you made me mad when you did this. You made me angry when you did that. Instead of I felt very upset when this thing happened. It takes away the blame, it takes away the shame, it takes away the anger, and it turns it back to my need was not met. Yes. So using an I statement rather than getting angry at the person. And this goes for a like intimate relationship. I am sad when I cannot score a point in pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it just goes for um, intimate relationships, it goes for friendships, it goes for coworkers. It goes for parents, like, families. yes, just use I statements, come from a place of I feel this way because a need was not met, rather than a place of you did this, and I feel this way because of what you did. And I just want to plug, like, I think it's very okay in the moment to be thinking in your head, oh, you're making me mad, you're making me this, but then being able to, like, take a breath, and when you're ready to vocalize those things, use the I statements. Because I, sometimes when I hear, like, any kind of advice or anything, I get kind of sad because I'm like, well, I can't do that. You know, like, I'm just so, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, 
I, those are things that I cannot do or, you know, I am so far on the other end of that scale. And so just realizing like, you're not going to be perfect and your first thoughts aren't going to be like, wow, I am just feeling, you know, like your first thought is probably going to be like, oh, you're making me mad. Oh, like you're doing this and that's okay. Just being able to take that extra step to rewrite that narrative, turn it into I statements before you're vocalizing those frustrations. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. And you're literally like using stepping stones into what I had to discuss but when you said take a moment like I think being mindful is something that everyone lacks in society as individuals yeah so I was telling Elizabeth the other day like I think a lot of anxiety and a lot of things come from just not living in the moment if you're constantly thinking about what's happening next what I'm doing next who I'm going to talk to what I'm going to do you're not here you're not in the moment it's also a lot easier to disassociate a lot easier to kind of isolate yourself because you're not here you're not in the moment that's happening currently and I don't know if anyone relates this but when I hear mindfulness like I just tune out because for me I can't not have thoughts in my head I can't not just constantly be thinking like actively thinking you know like I am actively like having conversations in my head creating stories like all this so when I hear mindfulness like I just kind of get mad because I've tried I really tried like you know yoga and sit still and be quiet for 10 minutes and that's not what mindfulness is you know and Grace will say more about that but I just want to say like you're not alone if you hear mindfulness and you're like, well, I can't do that. Like, I just have so much in my brain because it's not about having nothing. It's not about being able to st- sit still and be quiet and not have, you know, crazy thoughts for 10 minutes. It's not about that. It's more about. Yeah. And so we were driving the other day and I was just talking about how. So my commute to work was about 40 minutes, give or take. And I was just telling Elizabeth like how easy it would be for me to not be in the moment on my drive I could be talk like thinking about you know so many what things am I gonna for dinner what am I gonna do when I get to work how am I gonna do this today yeah and so I was just talking about like what I do on my drive and what I do is like when I'm in the car I am very mindful of what is happening in that very moment so when I put my car in drive, I am saying my car is in drive. I am turning on my right blinker. I am turning right. I am using the on-ramp entrance to I-215. Then I turn on my left turn signal to merge. I can hear my music. I can feel my shoes, pressing on the gas pedal, like initiating all those senses. Yeah, and so I think like what Elizabeth said, a lot of people think mindfulness is like, oh, I need to sit in a dark room. I need to have my brain just completely turned off. Like, I personally like yes is that helpful absolutely but that's a big jump to go from being anxious and being in the future rather than just like taking time and the moment for what it is so that's that's what I do when I'm in the car I I like am aware of my surroundings and my environment and I kind of tell myself and I talk to myself of what is happening in the moment yeah and we had that conversation what last week and I've noticed myself like I'll, it really is a lot of the time it's in the car because, you know, you're just driving, you know, maybe music's playing or something, but there's not someone to talk to. There's not like really something to do to be actively doing. And so I've noticed myself just going, 
like my mind kind of running away from me and just not feeling great and then going my hands are on my fluffy steering wheel like I am on the road right now there's cars on my left there's cars on my right like oh just like taking a breath and it really does it helps so I don't know I encourage everyone to try that you know when you're just feeling like so overwhelmed take a breath I feel my shoes and my feet if you're sitting down I can feel the seat on my legs I can feel my hair on my neck I can feel my shirt you know just like being very in tune and I liked I liked that definition of mindfulness a lot too yeah, those are the things <laughs> that I encourage people to work on and I think they do so much good and people don't necessarily recognize the good that can come from it I think that can relate a lot too with kids which kids are your kind of go-to right that's who you're helping a lot right now I know a lot of our listeners are moms out there so really quickly would you have any specific I don't advice whatever like having worked with kids would you give any advice to moms yeah. or dads for my 15 percent male mm-hmm. listening your audience Population. yeah audience um kind of going back to the needs thing like if a child is escalated and need is not met whether it's big or small. And obviously that's not applicable to every situation because you can't get to give kids everything they want so all the time. Like give me an example of a time you went into a situation you were able to figure out. Like, can you give me an example? Yeah, one of my first graders was flipping desks over, throwing pencils at kids, freaking out. And all it came down to was her fluffy pencil that she loved to use was missing. And so no one just took the time to be like, hey, what's going on? Yes. And so she just went crazy because no one cared. No one cared. No one cared about her pencil. No one cared that it was missing. Her teacher was just mad that she was damaging things, which is valid. But all it took was, okay, let's find your fluffy pencil. She gets her fluffy pencil. She picks up everything that she ruined. Boom, starts doing her work again. Same thing. It's so small, but for a six-year-old brain, that is literally the end of the world. And so just recognizing that, you know, that need is not met. Yeah. And then just some other quick things, like when you are trying to work with a child, like get on their level. So kids are, you know, three feet, four <laughs> feet shorter than you. If you're talking down to a kid, they are going to feel intimidated. They are not going to feel equal. Either sit down, get on your knees, do whatever you need to do to get on their level. Also, body language is huge. If you're telling a kid, oh, I love you and I'm here for you and I'll do anything for you, but your arms are crossed and you're rolling your eyes, they're going to know you don't mean it. They know. They're not dumb. No, that's the thing. Kids are not dumb and they can see right through it. And kids honestly can read people a lot better because they don't have life experience. All they're going off of is what they see in that moment. And kids can see through it. And so knowing that, validate. So like I said, that fluffy pencil wasn't a big deal to me, but to her that was a huge deal. So validating, I know that really upset you, and that really sucks, and I'm really sorry, but what can we do? And then that kind of goes from there is just, like, compromise. And going back to the validating, I think people forget that if you validate someone, like, oh, if I validate, that means I make, like, that means I'm saying what they did is okay. That's not true. You can separate validation and behavior. So just because I validate a child and what they're feeling does not mean I, like, so agree. I'm so sorry you lost that pencil. That is so sad. But we can't be harming other kids, right? Like, you can say that all in one sentence. 
Exactly. So you can validate, you can let a kid know that you hear them and that you see them without saying what they did is okay. And I think people forget that those two things can be very separate. And that goes with adults too. That's the thing too. Adults are just big giant kids. And so it all comes back. And then another thing, don't take escalations personal. Kids can be like, I hate you. You're the worst mom ever. I wish I had a different mom. I wish I never met. No. They, they, don't, they don't know what else to say. No, that's the only thing they have. And so don't take it personal. And then also the last thing is just compromise. You have to show your kid that you're giving up something as well. Because if a kid can see that they're the only one giving up something, they're going to be mad. Kids are smart. And so you have to compromise. You have to come to an agreement that you both agree on. Another part of that is always give a choice. You can't tell a kid, okay, let's go. You're going to do this. You have to say, okay, here's option number one. Here's option number two. What do you want to do? Even if option number two is completely silly, it doesn't matter. They have to have two choices. I like that. Is there a reason why? Like, it just... It empowers kids to think that they're making the decision. They have control over what they can do, which they do. But it can be really silly. It can be like, okay, option number one is get in the car and go. Option number two is get in the car and drink water while we go you know like both options are the same but there's a different like incentive wrapped in yes yeah they're still given the choice so cool those are things to remember perfect and just psa i'm not a mom i don't have kids (laughs) and i work with kids in like a school setting and different settings and so it's different and it's not applicable to every child and i'm not trying to say that i have all this mom experience or anything like that of course not no and our hearts go out to all mamas you're doing amazing keep it up i know them little rats be exhausting i worked with kids for what three months i oh awful i could not do it they are overwhelming so you're doing great and um yeah i hope some of that advice can help i just love grace i think she's the smartest human being ever 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 every time she talks i'm like that was like a wisdom bomb because she does she's very insightful and she's very good at at talking and being smarty girl so i hope you enjoyed this episode i had fun recording with my girl let me know if you want some more some more grace content you'll probably get it even if you don't ask because i think she's the coolest and everyone needs to hear what she has to say But um, thank you for joining us. Today might be a longer episode, so I hope you've stuck around until now. If you want to join our book club, we are reading Ugly Love by Colleen Hoover for May. And we'll we'll review that on my Instagram, 4.thereaders. And then also there will be an episode on it. So you're welcome to go follow that and join along if you would like to. Otherwise... Remember, y'all are awesome. You're killing it. Don't forget to be a little bit more mindful this week. And tell your family you love them. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to leave a rating and subscribe or come back next Thursday to listen to a new episode. And remember, you matter and what you have to say matters. So join me here with For the Talkers.